This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, now, I've, I understand, I haven't really confirmed this, but there is a movie which is going to be... Um, shown at the AMC on, in Mission Valley, AMC 20, on Tuesday. They're going to use it kind of as a filler because that's a slow time. It's called Jerusalem in Our Hands, and it's a very good movie that's a documentary from Israel, and it's, it's got a, a, a lot of original footage in there about the taking of Jerusalem in the 1967 war. So, um, so, I, I, so that's going to be Tuesday night, and... Um, and uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. So um, let's pray. Father, open our hearts now. Open our minds, Lord. It means that we ask you to, Lord, to dispel every distracting worry, concern, and uh, an interest that we might have that's away from the Bible, away from you tonight, and cause us now to focus on you and your great work that you accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now if you turn to, to Romans chapter five, verse 10. Romans chapter five, verse 10, it's kind of a, uh, it's a nice verse because it, it, it has in it a, a, a phrase that's, um, that's sort of interesting because it says here in Romans five, verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, that's a phrase, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What this verse is talking about is being reconciled by the death of his son. You know, we've been looking in these past few weeks at the gospel according to Moses, and we've seen, an, uh, we've seen a, a series of gospel truths illustrated in the book of Genesis, we've been in Genesis. And for example, we looked in the marriage of Isaac and we saw how really the gospel is an invitation. It's God's invitation and each person must decide one way or the other 
whether they're gonna accept or reject God's invitation, just like that song by A.B. Simpson, the founder of the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance, where he wrote the song, what will you do with Jesus? What will your answer be? Someday, neutral you cannot be. That's the important part. Neutral you cannot be. Someday you will be asking, your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? So this, the, the, the key verse to illustrate this gospel invitation, as we saw, was Rebecca's invitate, the, the, the invitation to Rebecca and her decision as to whether or not she's gonna, she was gonna go with Abraham's servant or not, and that was in Genesis 20, 24, 58. Genesis 24, 58, where they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now, a common belief is that the gospel is just an invitation to accept the, re- the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive him as Savior, to be protected from hell, to get a guaranteed ticket to heaven, and that there's no real gospel commitments in life. And, and, that, and that, uh, that a person really doesn't have to do that. So to answer that question, of the, of the gospel commitments in life, we saw in the gospel according to Moses, Jacob at Bethel, which was really Jacob at the gate of heaven as he called it. And there we saw Jacob's vow on how the gospel demands a life commitment. And that we saw in Genesis 28.20, Genesis 28.20, which said, Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And then he talked about a stone that he'd use for a pillow that he would set it up and call it God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee, the tithe. Now that showed us that the gospel demands a life commitment of following the Lord. I remember back in the 1980s when in, in, in business trips and being laid over in London on Sundays and going to church, and after the church service, typically where I would go, they had the basement and they had the, the, the coffee fellowship, they called it the coffee fellowship. And so it was nice, we went down there, we talked with Christians, and and as I was talking to the British Christians there, I noticed that, well, well, first of all, in the States, everybody would refer to Christians at that time. They would, that's a born-again Christian. It's a born-again Christian. That's a born-again Christian. He's a born-again Christian. Everything was born-again Christian. They didn't say that. They didn't say that over that time. They were not using the term born-again Christian, but instead, they were using the term, that's a committed Christian. It's a committed Christian. How many have ever heard that before? That term, most of you, okay. So in the country of England, where the majority of the people are, you know, they call themselves Christians, the term committed Christian cut the difference. It cut the difference. And that's what we saw with Jacob at Bethel, was that in his vow, he, he, was, he, he said he would be a committed follower of the Lord. And I wonder how many conversions there would be today if instead of saying, would you like to receive the Lord as your Savior and be forgiven of your sins and go to heaven and instead say, 
Would you like to receive the Lord as your Savior and be forgiven of your sins and give your life to the Lord with a life commitment to obey him? That's the gospel commitment. The gospel commitment is what we saw illustrated in Jacob's vow that he made in Bethel. Well, then we come to the next question. What about the person who makes a gospel commitment to the Lord and then ignores it and falls back into a life of doing what he wants to do and disregards in life? Now, no one would ever do that, I know, here. But anyway, that's what that was a question. Okay, that's a great question. And so therefore, we saw in the gospel, according to Moses, Jacob at Pen- Peniel. Jacob at Peniel where we saw what happens to a person who doesn't follow through with his commitment, doesn't follow through with his gospel life commitment to God. He's God's man. He's received the Lord. He's God's man, but he's ignoring God in his life. And and so what happens? What happens then? Well, that's when we saw that God cornered his man between two people that wanted to kill him, Esau in front and Laban in the back. And then we saw how in that one night in Genesis 32, how God crushed his man. And then we saw how God crippled his man. He limped for the rest of his life after that because God put his thigh out of joint. And then we saw how God then crowned his man. Oh, he gave him. So a new man emerges out of that, a man named Israel, and he's crowned Israel, prince of God and as a prince to follow his king, the Lord. Well, that wasn't a very pleasant process to watch, and that was a little painful to go into, but God is determined to love his man, and he's not gonna allow his man to waste his life. And so the key verses that we saw there in Genesis 32 was Genesis 32, 25, Genesis 32, 25, where it says, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched God as a man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, and except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and has prevailed. Well, then the question came up, well, what about the person who makes the gospel commitment to God, ignores it, then God cripples him in order to crown him, and then he gets kind of allured and charmed, as the hymn says, charmed by the world's delights. And he decides to, you know, God, I just want to kind of put you on hold. Just uh, don't, don't go away. I'll put you on hold right now because Boy, I think there's some great delights here to enjoy that the world has to offer. What about that person? Well, that we saw in the gospel according to Moses was Jacob at Shechem, where we saw Jacob then, God said, okay, you want to enjoy the world? Reap the consequences, and that's what we saw. You want to dine at the world's banquet table? Then we saw the tragedy of the rape of his daughter, and, and how his sons murdered and robbed a whole community. Apart from that, he had a really ideal home. <laughs> but those were the consequences of, that he had. But what he had internally as a result of that, he had fear, and he, had, and, and, he, and he lost his testimony among 
among all the other people around who weren't killed. And, he, and so the key verse for us there was Genesis 34.30. Genesis 34.30 where he just said, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you've troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, for I, being few in numbers, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Then we saw how the great part about that is that that's not where the story ended. We saw how God helped his man, strengthened him, get up from that fallen state, return to God, go back to God, and we saw that illustrated in Genesis 35 too. Genesis 35 too, where Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with them, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean and change your garments. Let us arise and go to Bethel and I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And so then we saw in verse five, Genesis 35, five, how when they moved out from that to go follow God, and it says that as they journeyed, the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they didn't pursue after the sons of Jacob. And so we've seen all these gospel blessings that are coming to us from according to the gospel, gospel according to Moses. Now we want to consider a little bit the cost, the cost of all these blessings. There was a cost, and that's where we get into this verse we're talked about in Romans, by the death of his son. Another great verse is in Daniel 9.26. Daniel 9.26, it talks about after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. That's what it says. Messiah be cut off in Daniel 9.26. Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So we look at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. These three words in Daniel 9.26 are important but not for himself, not for himself. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ was not for himself. It was for us. It was for us. So we're going to remember, as Eric said, in communion, the death of the Lord. And we just want to take a few moments now just to think about the gifts that he gives us by his death. When you read his last words of the Lord in John 19.30, where it says in John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That word finished means accomplished. It means accomplished. If we had it in Hebrew, it would have been asa. It means made. It means accomplished. It means achieved as like a success. So what he was doing there was giving this great release of having made his great achievement. Kind of like a graduation where you take the hat and throw it up in the air. Finished, I achieved it. By his death, he succeeded. He achieved in giving us nine important gifts, at least nine, many more. But the first gift that he gave us is the one we're so familiar with in Romans 6.23, where it talks about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know how you would say that gift of God if you were going to say it in Hebrew? Hebrew. Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Nathaniel means, Nathan is gift, El is God. Nathaniel means gift of God. You, I I, I know you're all expecting to have children, right? (laughs) If you were, 
You want to give a ver- you want to give a name to a baby to a to a to a person a son. You want to give a name to a son that makes reference to John three sixteen. You couldn't have a better name than to name him Nathaniel or Nathan. That means gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave. God gave. That's Nathaniel. Anyway, this says the gift of God is eternal life. We came to God with death. The wages of sin is death. We were dead. We didn't know we were dead because a dead person really doesn't know he's dead. I mean, you know, you can go to the morgue, talk to a cadaver and say, do you know you're dead? You know, you're not gonna get a response. And so, because we were dead, as it says in Ephesians 2.1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2.1. We thought we were alive. We weren't, okay. So now that was the gift that God gave to us, the first gift, eternal life. Isaiah 53 gives us many gifts. It's an arresting chapter. Isaiah 53 is such an amazing chapter in the Bible that when you look at it and you read it, you say, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can say, but there's a lot I can admire. There's nothing I can say, but there's, a, but there's a lot of worship that I have as a response to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a chapter which describes the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, but like I said, you wanna sing a hymn after you read Isaiah 53? You sing, and can it be? You read Isaiah 53, and then you say, and can it be? that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued? Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That's Isaiah 53. That's a response to Isaiah 53. But anyways, it's a graphic description of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it describes not only the death, but the gifts that came as a result of the death. For example, in Isaiah 53, 5, Isaiah 53, 5, where it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Did you notice in there this, this like parallel, like, a, like a, an equal part on both sides where you have four references to him? He was wounded. He was bruised, he was chastised, and he was beaten. It was all what happened to him four times. And then there's the four things that came to us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. Such an awful description of what happened to him. And then you begin to see why he went through all this. Why did he allow himself to be so mistreated? The verse before Isaiah 53, 4, it explains. Isaiah 53, 4 says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Hebrew word for griefs there means sicknesses. He hath borne our sicknesses. Sickness is terrible. Sick- cancer is a sickness. It's terrible. We, 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 we recently interviewed a potential, me, a potential medical director who is a pathologist, and we asked him the question, the question was asked to him, what was the hardest thing that you had to do as a doctor so far in your profession? 
He's gone to Regis universities in Boston and here. And, and when the question was asked to him, what's the hardest thing you had to do as a doctor? He teared up. He teared up and he said, the hardest thing for me was to work three days on specimens, different specimens from the same patient, trying to get a diagnosis for his sickness, and then to be told to stop, stop working on those specimens because the patient just died. That was the hardest thing. Sickness is terrible because the ultimate goal or the direction of sickness is death. And sometimes there's nothing that can be done to stop a sickness where a man is completely helpless in the face of sickness. That's what makes one evening in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ so significant. And that evening was in Matthew 8, verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16. This was one evening. This is one evening. What an evening this was when it says, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This was the evening when the physically sick, the mentally tormented, were brought by family and friends to the Lord Jesus Christ for help. And this was a wonderful evening because this is an evening when he healed all those sicknesses. And at the end of that evening, when they were all healed, then the describing verse of what happened was given. This, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That was an evening of curing sicknesses, and it was a fulfillment of him bearing our sicknesses. Isaiah 53 describes the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 4 describes him bearing or taking our sicknesses on him, which shows us that by his death, he gave us the gift of the cure of our sicknesses. And we're gonna receive that gift. It's coming, it's coming. In Revelation 21, 4 is where we can see that we get that gift of the cure of our sicknesses. That's the day of the healing, Isaiah, I mean, uh, Revelation 21.4, when it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Former things are passed away. By his death, he gave us this second gift of the cure of our sicknesses. Now, it said there in Isaiah, I mean, Revelation 21.4, it said there in Revelation 21.4 that there would be no more sorrow. Sorrow. Sorrow's a pretty rough thing to have. Sorrow. I mean, if there's one word that describes the Lord Jesus Christ as he approached his death, as it, and especially when he got to that Garden of Gethsemane from which he was arrested, it's the word sorrow. A sorrow. In Matthew 26, 37, describes him coming to that Garden of Gethsemane, coming to that, that place from which he'd be arrested. In Matthew 26, 37, it says, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. 
Then he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.